KRXO FM and KRXO HD Oklahoma City. KRXO Claremore Tulsa, a product of Tyler Media, reaching over 1 million Oklahomans every week. Now, TotallyTickets.com presents the Franchise Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Postgame Show on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. It took them a while, but they finally got there. The Oklahoma City Thunder are now 10 games below 500, which is where you want to be sitting maybe three months ago if you're talking about getting a top five pick in the upcoming draft for the lottery. But better late than never. Oklahoma City loses tonight to the Charlotte Hornets, 113 to 102 behind a rookie record for made three pointers in a single game by Alexi Pokashevsky being with the Thunder. He finished with 25 points on 9 of 14, shooting 7 11 from the three point line, but left the game in the fourth quarter. I uh, did not see exactly what that injury was, but we'll update you as we get more information as Mark Dagnalt speaks to the media in the next few minutes. But I am Brady Trantham, joined by Christine Butterfield, who was in the arena tonight along with Mr. Ryan Chapman. Not in the arena. Him and I were discussing matters of state. Uh, the 2017 Rose Bowl uh, during the game because even though guys, this is the Thunder's what fourth loss in a row. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, they did beat Toronto last week, so they have had a win recently. Shout out to Tampa at Tampa Bay or the Toronto Bay. Who called them the Toronto Bay Raptors? I really like that. I'm not sure, but I think that should stick. I'm a fan. I, I enjoy it. I really enjoy that. Uh, but. Oklahoma City losing four games in a row. None of those games have been entertaining in the least. This game, Christine, I mean, you were in the arena. You were in the arena, obviously, for two reasons. Uh, One, it's your job. And two, there was a very special person playing in the game that we'll get to in a few minutes. Uh, But... This was a fun game. Like it, it was a it was a team in Charlotte that's reeling with some injuries. They've lost Gordon Hayward, uh, Lamelo Ball is obviously out. So, um, but they're still the fourth or the fifth seed in the East. So fairly surprising considering what we when you think of the Charlotte Hornets, it's like oh yeah, eight seed or out of the playoffs. So there's some talent on that roster. Shout out to Coach Borrego, uh, former Spur, uh, has done a very good job with the Hornets. But outside of the Hornets, I mean, the Thunder really played well tonight. I mean, we already mentioned Pokashevsky. Uh, I mean, outside of him, I mean, Teo Maldon has another like another good game, even though the shooting efficiency just isn't there. But, mm-hmm. I mean, what can you say? You want the Thunder to lose, so they, they did that into the bargain. But if you sat through and watched it like we did tonight, at least you were entertained. Yeah, the past few games definitely have been a little bit tough because, you know, when you lose by 24, I think was the was the deficit the last game. It's not a fun loss to watch. At least this one stayed competitive through most of the game. And they were really able to battle with the Charlotte Hornets tonight. I think obviously with a couple players for the Hornets being injured really helped kind of offset the fact that the Thunder have basically half of a roster playing right now. So... It was a really fun game to watch in the arena, and I was sitting next to our friend Adam Francisco. We had a lot of fun talks about, you know, how the offense was doing and defensively what was going on. And it was just really interesting to watch Olowski Pokashevsky kind of come alive tonight. I mean, he's definitely done well since he came back from the G League bubble, and he's been kind of showing small improvements game to game, and especially in his shooting efficiency. But tonight, 
He just went off, and you already said it. He literally made a thunder record by scoring the most threes by a rookie ever with seven. He tied it with six, and then he's like, "Nope, I'm just gonna." He was confident with him them up. too. Yeah, he was very confident. So you you like to see that? That was kind of the big thing. Like go to the go to the bubble, go to the G League, so you can get some confidence. So you can do all these things that you've been trying to do in the first half of the season, but very unsuccessfully. Like get some confidence. Maybe that results in something. But at the same time, like I want to be excited for this, Christine. But there's no SGA. There's no Darius Baisley. There's no Lou Dort. Al Horford's out for the rest of the year because he is going to take a long, long nap. Uh, so while he's not dead, Brady. Well, just yeah, he's taking a long, long nap in his flan- button-up flannel. We all saw him on the sideline. He's okay. Don't worry about it. What was that? Don't worry about it. Producer life over here. We're, oh, well, we're trying to we're trying to get things going. I thought I heard something over in the hallway. I th- is this place haunted? Uh, yes, so that it is hearing. haunted, but it's a totally different. That's a different conversation. We need to talk to Mr. Tyler Media about this. We need to fr- Mr. Fetch an old, Media, sir. Uh, Mr. Media, there uh, is. We are in need of an old priest and a young priest here at the station. But no, like I want to be excited, uh, Christine and Ryan. I'll bring you in this once you get done with your producer stuff. But um, I want to be excited for this. But once. If you just put all the normal guys out there, SJ Lou Dort and all them, yeah, Poku doesn't have this much of a green light. He doesn't have this many opportunities. So it kind of goes back to that big question or the big thing for, uh, going into the next handful of games. I don't know really what you can take away from any of this because all these guys have way more opportunities than they would get otherwise. Well, yeah, but that's the whole point, right? Like the whole point is to have this developmental season. And with Sam Presti obviously trying to build steps to make them be able to have a tanking team this is what's going to happen you're going to have these guys who are usually bench players be able to move up and get more minutes get more time to be able to make mistakes but also make big strides in their development and in their production and that's why Alessi Pokoshevsky had so many shots tonight and had so many opportunities because he was the hot hand and if he was in a different situation with the Thunder the hot hand would probably be SGA or possibly uh, Darius Paisley, but in this instance, the hot hand is going to go to someone who's normally on the bench, and they have to take it for what it is and use that to kind of just keep making those leaps into what they want their game to be. So the reason why, like you said, Brady, he's getting so many opportunities is because their stars aren't really playing right now, but this is only going to help them get better because he's so confident now, he's shooting more confident. He knows where his shot is. He knows where to find it. And then whenever he's not getting as many opportunities, that's probably where you're going to see the efficiency get better because he's going to be taking less shots, but he's used to making them more. Well, I, I think right there, that's that's the thing. You got 21 games left um, after oh this boy. game goes final. From everything we understand from uh, inside the organization through the two or three people they'll speak with, um, the plan is for Shea Gildos-Alexander to take the floor again before the end of the season. That's the expectation right now in the franchise. So what what are the Thunder doing? They're taking their two rookies and they're giving Teo and Pokashevsky the, the greenest of green lights, like you said, to say, okay, this is NBA basketball. Go out there, figure it out and get to a place where you feel like you're you're playing nice and confident basketball so that when Lou Dort, when Shea Gildas-Alexander, when Darius Baisley is reintroduced, it's not a confidence thing. It's a, okay, you understand what the NBA is. It's the cliche of it's the end of the year. You're not a rookie anymore, yada, yada, yada. 
now you have to learn how to play within the team. So, yeah, he's got the greenest of green lights right now, but everything you'll see is going to be put under a microscope. We saw it. Look, this made its way to the Twitter sphere of there was uh, one possession where up and down the floor, Pokashevsky was not doing what Mark Dagnall asked of him on both ends. So what's the next thing that happens? Mark Dagnall is just chewing them up and spitting them out uh, as, as far as Mark Dagnall will go. Uh, aggressive finger-pointing, very stern talking to, and and you can do that because you're talking to a team of rookies, basically, and, and young guys. So it, they're building them up so that they can break them down again once once the starting five gets rolled back out there. And you can say, this is, congrats, you're to the NBA, the, the lights aren't too bright for you anymore, now let's figure out how to work within a team environment. Well, you got to, you know, this is where we shout out Porter Moser. Hopefully, hopefully, Mark Dagnall, uh, after he chews out Alexi Pokashevsky, he's like, I'll, "I'll still hang out with you after t- or after the game tonight because I love you." They're not trying to rebuild; they're trying to enhance in Oklahoma City. It's all about enhancing. It's all about enhancing. Teo Maldon, like I said, twenty-five points on nine of eighteen shooting tonight. Uh, Christine, second favorite player in this game, Svi Mikhailuk, twelve points, four of eight shooting, all of them threes, so four of eight from the three-point line. Kenrich Williams with six points. Moses Brown with five points and ten boards, so not a no double double for him. Thirteen points for Jalen Horde. Uh, thirteen uh, thirteen points for him. Excuse me. He is he's the two way guy, right, Ryan? I think we uh, we had to situate that one. Yes, Ro- yes. Robinson two way. Hor- no Horde two way. Robinson ten day. There we go. Yes, there we Numbers. go. And you know we'll probably talk about Horde in the second segment just because like I I like what I see. You know I don't know what that means, but I like what I see. Tony Bradley twelve points. And seven boards to round it out for the rest of the scores that are worth mentioning. Uh, but Christine, again, like to what Ryan is saying, this is where I think it's very important and very uh, dependent on the on Oklahoma City's ability as an f- organization to not just that guy we think can play basketball. If we put him in our system, we think he can thrive. Okay, that, that's that's one thing. The Thunder have been able to, they've proven by now that they can find guys with talent. But when you give people like green lights and a ton of opportunities to basically just figure out like Ryan's saying, I think that that works for certain personalities. And it has to work for the certain personalities that understand, I get this green light now because SGA's not out there, because Lou Dort's not out there. But when those guys come back, I'm going to be, at best, the second option if I'm hot. So I think this is where it is so inherent on this coaching staff to understand the personalities they're working with. And I think from what we've been able to gather of Pokashevsky, of Taylor Maladon, of all these young guys, it seems like that, yes, if you give them a green light now, they'll just take, they'll just reap the benefits of, the, of, of that confidence. And then once the other guys come back, they'll understand their place in the pecking order, hopefully. That's the key, hopefully. I don't know what practice is looking like, if they're still kind of building up that chemistry as a whole, or if they are really doing bench here and then starters that are out right now over here. But what the key is, is making sure that when these players get the green light, they're making the most of it. So if they're not using that time wisely, they're declining in their talent and they're declining in their production but Teo Maladon and Olevsky Pokoshevsky both are able to take all of these moments and build on them from game to game I think and we haven't seen the best games out of Teo Maladon in the last couple of weeks but I think he has more pressure on him 
to lead the offense than Alevsky Bokashevsky does. So he, I think that Teo Maladon's a little bit more worried about distributing the ball and making sure the offense is running correctly than saying, okay, I'm going to make sure I get my points tonight. But then I think we saw in the fourth quarter he was able to turn it on a little bit. He scored, f- I think, at least 14 points in the fourth quarter. So that's over half of his points were made in the end of the game, which is something that we saw SGA do a lot in the beginning of the season. Where and it was it was a rather competitive game in the fourth quarter. Like it mm-hmm. was rather garbage timey as well. But it was the, a the, it was a ten point game with yeah. two minutes and fifteen seconds. You go and hit a few shots, and you're in it. You, you can yeah. make Charlotte, you know, get nervous toward the end. Yeah, exactly. And so that's kind of what we've seen SGA do in the beginning of the season when he was playing he was really good at coming down in clutch time and be like okay I need to set this up for my team if we have a chance to win and Teo Melendon kind of got in that mindset a little bit tonight which I really like because that shows that if if he's coming on the bench or if a player's player for the Thunder is injured he can possibly step up if that role is depending on him and so I like that he was able to show that confidence late in the game well and Oklahoma City's dynamic duo has made history this comes from Thunder Communications. Teo Maladon and Poku are the first pair of rookie teammates to each score 25 points or more in the same game since March 19th of 2012. I believe around that time we were worried about if the world was going to come to an end, right? Yeah, like uh, we, that were, was like, we were a few months away. Mayan calendar? Yeah. Uh, and it was Kyrie Irving and Tristan Thompson that was the duo to do that. So I uh, can't wait for Poku to be washed in Boston and for Teo to give us his thoughts on the shape of the earth. Well, wait, is Te- well, which one's cheating on the Kardashian? That would be Pokushevsky. And I think, oh, I, Poku. I think no. that lines up. He's already got uh, He's already got himself. We can tell he has the confidence, if you want to use the old uh, baseball GM for Moneyball method of uh, Poku's girlfriend. He's got game. So it makes sense he's put himself in that realm. What's in the fanny pack A Kardashian's phone number? Yeah, well, Didn't it, want to tell that's us. the reason why I won't it's tell It's the us. burner phone. That too. Oh, boy. I think Christine knows. <laughs> oh, no. This is not good. That's Poku. You're too young. Uh, too much promise. I mean, he's nice. He's learning a lot of things early. Did, did anybody see that picture? Someone photoshopped Poku's like that screenshot of him uh, from last from last night under the, the McLovin on the McLovin yeah. driver's license. It's very good. That was it was oh, so funny. It was too good. Uh, shout out to Mark Dagnall, head coach of the Oklahoma City Thunder. He actually had a funny thing to say. Post game, he was asked about uh, the conversation, the animated conversation he had with Bogushevsky during the game that Ryan mentioned, and Mark said that oh, I was trying to speak fluent Serbian to him, and I fell short. Shout out to Mark. I, I nice. like it the three times that he's been able to like Aha! show some personality, and it's not his fault. It's just the Zoom sphere. It's hard to have personality in Zoom. He can be quite quippy in these preference conference calls. So it's it's Bruce Springsteen. Trying to speak Serbian. Sisyphusian tasks. Sisyphusian tasks that nobody knew what that was. Not even our good friend Barry Trammell. Well, he was he was the cleanup crew. Cleanup hitter Tram. Coming through. Please define. Can you use it in a sentence, Mark? I just did, guys. Fair enough. Well, Ryan, that was a very, very sexy stat you uh, relayed to us from Thank Thunder you. Communications. But it's probably going to make this a little bit easier. That is, of course, trying to pick the Thunder player of the game. Now. The Franchise Thunder Player of the Game. Brought to you by Volkswagen of Edmond. I'm going to count down from three. And so when I say three, two, one, then we say it. So we go right right after one and not... On three or after three? 
No, I'm counting down from three. Okay. So when I say three, two, one. Alexei Pokashevsky. There you go. It's Pokashevsky. Poku. Right? Okay. I, I thought Christine was going to say, Devontae Graham. He he's the he's, he's the not a one player, player in my heart. He's not a thunder player though. He's the player best player in my heart. It's okay. Can he qualify as the tank commander of the game if he had a, if he had a good game, which led to a thunder loss? Oh yeah, helping the. We'll just we're good tanking. Yeah. There you go. No, sorry, sorry. We're going we're going tanking through the quad. And into the gymnasium! Come on, everybody! game is too easy, guys. So let's yeah. have the fun conversation. No, but you definitely took mine. I was going to say it was Devontae Graham. Ugh. Because clearly... Well, actually, no. That I mean, for joke's sake, yes, Devontae Graham could be a tank commander to the game because he helped the Hornets lead the win for a loss for the Thunder. But What's you know what my real... What's your obsession with, like, B- guards from Kansas? What's my obsession? I, I just don't get it. Like, he's not a good player. He is a good player. By B- in, by is good. NBA standards, he's just, like, fine. He's just there. He's, like, he's just, like, white toast with, like, no butter on it in the morning. You're just, like... What? How just, is it a B-minus breakfast? That is not a fair comparison. I just He's just so bland. He just doesn't do anything for me. Anyway. Of course he doesn't do anything for you because... Because he's bang average he's in every way. He's not average, but, but okay. Uh, Brady, break the tie. <sighs> anyway. Uh, Kenrich Williams airballed the three. And it was a pull-up jumper in transition. It's like, that's not your game, son. I know everybody, we've been talking about green lights, but I'm sure Mark Daniel was like, uh, not you, sir. Well, I'm going to go with uh, Tyron Jerome Chapman because he went 0 for 6 tonight with 20 points on the board. Like, you cannot go... You cannot just make a free throw in 20 points and 20 not be minutes. tank commander of the game. Yes, sorry. Yeah. 20 minutes. And here's the thing. So, I was thinking about this because I was like, how is it possible that he only made one free throw? And then I was like, oh, you know what? Ryan Chapman is going to be on the post-game show tonight and we've never seen the two in the same place. So, you no. know what? I went out and I got, I got my hair cut today to ensure that we, we put... An end to this. Wanted to make sure wow. this is done. Got the haircut. Yeah, Ty Jerome, good shout. He also had four turnovers. I think that was the crucial thing is that uh, not only was he not contributing on the offensive end, scoring-wise, he had his four assists, but he had the four turnovers. But a uh, little sneaky shout to Teo Maldon, who turned the ball over six times and was a minus 20. Didn't really heat up till the game didn't matter. Yeah, he's been inefficient and has had games where he's had four or more turnovers. And I'm just like, maybe that's a byproduct of having too many opportunities and that goes down. Well, and then you go three of ten from the three-point line, like... Not his game yet. Yeah, like, it, like it's going to get there, I think. But three of ten, you, just, you can't have that. Yeah, I think he definitely needs to work on his efficiency, but... I think he's still finding the balance between distributing the ball and making sure he gets his shot. So I don't know if he's great at picking his shot right now. It's just it's it's just a weird like you'd think that of all people like the point guard who's handling the ball the most wouldn't have like that trouble picking out their shot, you know what I mean? Cuz it's like okay, huh? I'll make the right pass here. Well, cuz I'm I'm going to get it back next time and instead it's the exact opposite well on like the like opposite side of that i feel like sometimes 
point guards are stuck in bad situations because other players are like, oh, I need to get rid of this ball because I'm in a terrible situation, so let me just give it to the point guard. And the point guard's like, okay, I guess I'm going to go try and make this awful mid-range shot because I have the ball now. Yeah, two seconds, yeah. So I think sometimes because everyone holds them responsible for taking care of the ball, they'll just give it to the point guard, which will lead to some inefficient nights. Christine Butterfield at CB on Sports on Twitter. Ryan Chapman producing, keeping us alive at Radio's Ryan on Twitter. And I'm Brady Trantham at Brady Does Sports on Twitter. You can scream at us all you want. Did you like what you saw tonight if you're watching the Thunder? Let us know about it. We'll talk about it. Stay tuned here on 107.7 The Franchise. 107.7 The Franchise. At it again, once again, time and time again, every time the Thunder play, for the most part, we are back, and we're here to stay. Oklahoma City loses 113-102 to to the Charlotte Bob, no, the Charlotte Hornets, yeah, the Hornets, yeah, that's what they are. Killed it. Uh, there you go. They've been so mild and absolute, I don't give a crapness for so long that I still find my brain thanking the Charlotte Bobcats, right? Because it took me a long time, uh, took my brain a long time to go from the Charlotte Hornets that I grew up with to the Charlotte Bobcats. And then by the time my brain was fully integrated, oh no, they went back to the Hornets because New Orleans wanted to be the Pelicans. It doesn't exactly strike fear into the hearts of their enemies. The Pelicans. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now they're they're stuck with that Steven Adams contract. Yes, Oklahoma City drops it tonight, 113-102. to 102. Oklahoma City is now 20-39. and 39. 31. Christine Butterfield, Ryan Chapman, Brady Trantham here, your humble hosts. Well, speak for yourself. Well. There's, there's a few humble people here, and there's one that's not. And we'll give you till the end of the show to decide. Christine, I do not like well, these whoa. insinuations that are happening right now. We're letting, we're li- giving it up to the listeners to make the call here, Christine. Like no one, Ryan did not say anything pointed. It was just he he lofted a softball out to our. Okay, well, people don't see the nonverbal communication that's happening behind the glass. Well, it's, it's radio, of course they don't. I was unaware that nonverbal communication was happening. I was just I was just dropping bumpers in over here, and then I talked on the mic. He's just doing his job with his hat backwards. Goodness, Christine. Christine showing off the guns tonight. I'm so afraid. But, Christine, I'm going to start with you, and I'm going to give you this little bit of a segment to talk about your two favorite players tonight. I'm not going to say their names because I just want to see your face light up uh, because you're going to have T-minus three minutes to talk about your Kansas Jayhawks. All right. So, first of all, very happy that they were reunited. They have some of the best. They did have the co- one common goal tonight to um, for the Thunder the to tank. lose. Yes, one hundred percent. They both. I. You know what I thought too. I was pretty sure that they were going to end up guarding each other for a lot of the night, based on the fact that they play a very similar position. So I was kind of like, I wonder if they're going to cancel each other out a little bit based on their talent. Because I mean, Steve McKaylock had a great game two nights ago, so I wasn't surprised that he didn't really shoot any kind of mid-range shots or really go to the bucket too much and he was just kind of taking his shots out from the outside and uh, 
Devontae Graham also didn't have one of his best nights. He scored 15 points total, and he was 3-7 from behind the arc, so not too bad, but I thought that they both played pretty well tonight. They um, They showed up for their team, and... I will say though, some of their th- their Twitter uh, interactions are like the best things ever. It's so wholesome. Wait, there's actual Twitter discourse between C. McHiluke and Devonte Graham. Yes, there is. Let me let me look it up. That's a time. rabbit hole. I don't think I'd ever a thought existed. I'm sh- I, there's a subreddit for everything Ryan, and this is like one of those examples of like this exists. Yeah, it's. I mean, what's what's the rule? On what's the internet rule? Is it rule forty two or yeah, something? Yeah, like it's like if you don't think it exists, it exists. It does exist. Something specific. I'm, I'm sure they were reminiscing about all the great memories they had in March. <laughs> well, for instance, uh <laughs> <laughs> Get it? Because they didn't win bleak. And, you know what? You know, D- Devontae Graham, that Kansas team really angers me. Why? Because they could have they could have taken care of Villanova for Oklahoma. <laughs> they could have done so much, and they they instead they did what they do in March. Ah, at least they made it like out of the first weekend. That's true. I thought I was going to have three and a half minutes. Oh, it starts now. No, okay. Well, anyway, um, the fact of the matter is actually. Oklahoma laid an egg against Villanova that year, so at least Kansas had a slightly more competitive game than that, but uh, that's fine. The tweets I was talking about, there was one that was uh, how it started versus how it's going, and it was uh, Devontae Graham started off with like 4.7 points per game, uh, two assists, and 34 made threes, and then um, his sophomore year in the NBA, he increased it to 28 points per game, 7.5 averages per game and then 218 made threes so then so he was like effing goat and so they have a lot of other wholesome stuff and it's uh warms my heart a little bit so their their bro connection their bromance has like made it into the nba which um i enjoy and that's it from me because i don't want to annoy people in my talks about these guys more fair enough and now that you're done talking about that i will mention uh, to you that Oklahoma did beat Villanova that year, whereas Kansas did not. On uh, Pearl Harbor, yeah. Pearl Harbor Remembrance. Day, yeah, OU no beat. Less. Oh, OU. I was talking about March Madness and Buddy Heald's year. Yes, in that season, Oklahoma beat Villanova early. That yeah, year. that's beat, why they heaped it on. Yeah, it was a revenge game. They beat the living crap out of Villanova that year. It was in December. Yeah, and then they didn't. Oh, I know. Yeah, but. so they beat Villanova <laughs> and Kansas and the, did not. Okay, these are facts, and we should not be afraid of them. I'm not. I'm not saying that that game didn't happen. Like, okay, great. Oklahoma won randomly. And then in the final four. They ran them off the court. And, and then, then the Villanova final four where it really the mattered, they and lost. And it was, it was really unfortunate because they ran them off the court and they're playing on per, they're playing in Pearl Harbor. So Villanova was like, oh, I can't swim. Oh, help. Just kidding. Oh, no. Because from that point on, Villanova became an unstoppable machine for about a year and a half. Yeah. Mm. Happens. Long Kruger awoke the sleeping giant. Jay Happens. Wright. And that killer tan. Oh, poor Buddy oh, Heald. Looks good, though. Let's segue back to, to our lovable losers, the Oklahoma City Thunder, though, because look, 20 and 31, that's 
you would think that that's pretty darn good. But then you, you kind of go back and you remember that Detroit hasn't won that much. And then you remember that Houston lost 21 games in a row. And then you remember that Orlando is just Orlando. Minnesota is just never going to be good. And if they get Cade Cunningham, it's going to be an absolute crime against basketball humanity to watch that talent just be wasted in the great white north. But, um, I mean, guys... You can got you can rock paper scissors. Who wants to start this one first? But I just I don't know if it's just kind of like this thing where I'm assuming that the Thunder are going to not necessarily win the lottery, but get to a point where they can you know get in the top three or get in the top five. If they can find themselves in the top five, they have completed their initial task of this rebuild. Um, outside of trying to develop SGA, of course. But um, if they can do that, all all signs are good. But if they don't. That's where you can kind of get into all these fun little scenarios. But, I mean, to me, guys, don't you think the NBA kind of wants a team like Oklahoma City to get a high-end lottery pick just because all these other teams are actively trying to tank, whereas Oklahoma City tried to be a competitive team. They they, They put out a rather entertaining product for the most part of the year, and they could potentially, that could potentially cost them once the lottery odds come out. Well, they... They were a competitive team. Then they started trying to tank. And even when they were trying to tank, they still ended up being a rather competitive team on a certain night. And now we're getting to the point where they're actually tanking. So they kind of just took down, (laughs) like they kind of declined a little bit slowly. And now they're just obviously all the way down there. But that's what they should have been doing from the beginning if they really wanted to be in that top five lottery. But going back to what you said, Brady, I think... If the NBA wanted the Thunder to be the most competitive or like to be a better version of themselves, it would be getting a top five draft pick. Because from what we saw in the beginning of the season, I mean, they're not going to have Al Horford, Al Horford, excuse me, or George Hill. But what we saw as their product in the beginning of the season was a fun basketball team to watch and a team that could be really competitive. And if they were shooting well, they looked pretty talented too. And if you just add a top five draft pick to that, they could really have that spark that just allows them to win X many amount more games to where they would have be able to make a playoff run. But we don't know if they're going to be able to get into that top five lottery draft pick because of how many games they won earlier in the season. And now we're going to see if they're going to pay the price for that with having to be a 7 through 14 draft pick scenario or if they're actually going to be able to kind of pull this one out and be able to uh, get a top five guy to really kind of round out their team. Yeah, Brady, like you were kind of saying, though, if you just pilfer through there, so... Let's start Oklahoma City, work their way. Let's work backwards. So Minnesota, when's the last time Minnesota was relevant? Never. Like, it's when Kevin Garnett was there. Uh, Jimmy Butler had a good year, but then that was one good year. Right. And then Jimmy and, Butler got the hell out of there. And let, let me clarify. By relevant, I mean has Consistent. Su- sustained success, proven that they can take in a star caliber player and be good enough that that player can be marketed around the world. And to uh, the U.S. television audience, because that's what the NBA wants. Minnesota, they're out. Houston, yes, they've done that. They did that with uh, James Harden, throwing Chris Paul beside him, all that stuff, great. Detroit, no, they haven't done that since their last title run, which was kind of uh, out of nowhere, ragtag group. It's an awesome story, but they haven't really had a ton of sustained success. Orlando, no. Washington, no. Cleveland, no, outside of having LeBron. So Oklahoma City and Houston are the only two franchises in that bottom seven right now that you're saying okay 
these are franchises that you have faith organizationally that they can intake a young star, groom them, and like the entire league will be better for it. So, yeah, from the league's perspective, I think you'd love to have Oklahoma City in there, especially because the way that they're set up, they could be an awesome story the next two or three years. In the dream world scenario, perfect storm of the Thunder, drop a few more spots in the standings, and somehow roll the number one overall pick, and Houston lands exactly at five in OKC pick swaps, you add two of Cunningham, Kaminga, Suggs, uh, Mobley, Green, that Thunder team with SGA, with Lou Dort, is going to be competitive for a playoff spot immediately next year. And then you've got... If they wanted to. Yeah, yeah. if they wanted to. Because they'll easily be able to trade around, get some you know vets to surround them, all that stuff. And then all of a sudden the story is, look at this fun team. It's, it's the Thunder 2.0. You guys remember when... Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant, and they took the the number one Lakers into a tough playoff series in the first round. Like you're going to start having those parallels, and that'll be fun. So yeah. from an NBA perspective, I think they absolutely want the Thunder to stumble their way up into that top five. I just I don't know if there's enough time left. Those teams down there, they're really good at tanking. <laughs> yeah, and like they're for, a lot better at it than the Thunder. From a structural standpoint, yeah, you're absolutely correct. But like with Oklahoma City and Houston, amongst that cornucopia of crap like towards the uh uh, the high end of the lottery odds but at the end of the day the other part of the equation is let's just use kate cunningham as the example if kate cunningham goes to houston what does that do what does that do for houston it uh gives a much needed hug to steven silas it's what i'm actively rooting for he does need a because that man (laughs) needs some help exactly but in terms of like the two to three year your realistic expectations of not just kate but houston like, nothing. What, I don't yeah, think nothing. it does much, no. Now, if you put him on the Oklahoma City Thunder with all the things that you said, like going along with SGA, like if you put Kate Cunningham on that team, I mean, what does that do for your two to three year expectation? This like, is, it's much more exciting. Yeah. Now, of course, if Golden State, it kind of applies to them as well. If Golden State can luckily find themselves by virtue of their assets moving forward through trades, if they get okay Cunningham then of course like that's the same thing but on a much higher in scale because if Clay Thompson is healthy Golden State is I guess they're starting to get into that category of being a dark horse title contender because it's their window has just been in a weird way it's been a long time since they've been a title contender it's so silly to say but um you add Kate Cunningham to that mix and that's it's potentially pretty scary but Christine like um, I mean, I, I think I said it on the last post-game show. The thought that Oklahoma City gets picked number six, like, I'm just... I, I don't want that to happen just because of all the excitement for this season, all the excitement going back into the offseason of, like, okay, once this draft hits, like, that's really going to be where you can have a better understanding of how long this rebuild process is going to um, last. Now, getting... Evan Mobley or Kate Cunningham does not guarantee that the rebuild process ends as soon as they get drafted, of course. Like, there are right. a lot of other things that have to happen. But if they get picked six, seven, or eight, I'm just like, oh, that is so unfortunate. But of course, Sam Presti can trade up in the draft. Sam Presti could potentially trade down in the draft to get more of a project player at a better value pick. Yeah. But I mean, to me, it's just, it is so finite what they need to get. But unfortunately, first half of the season, they just won too many games. I think that's what we're going to end up seeing, if I'm being honest. You know, uh, Matt Burton and I actually talked about this in the last post game where 
basically you already know who the first five are going to be in this draft, right? After that, picks six through 14 are going to be your kind of like your project steals where these players, if you develop them a little bit, they're going to be good in about two to three years. So basically what the Thunder is looking at is if they don't get that top five draft pick, you're going to add on probably around two years to that rebuild, I believe. So that's just going to push their timeline back depending on where they end up in the lottery. Because if you end up in the first five or if, you know, Sam Presti is able to trade up into the first five, then you're going to get someone who's immediately going to add that spark, just that one piece left that could really turn your team into like, a, you know, like your misfit team of all these competitive players that can be good on any given night. And that can sometimes can compete with these mid mid range teams to a, oh, wow, this team could actually be a playoff contending team. But if you end up getting a pick that's 6 through 14, they'll still be very solid. I'm sure they'll have a lot of fundamentals. And I'm sure that Sam Presti would end up uh, drafting someone that's really athletic, as we've seen in the past. But you would have to work on them a little bit more than someone that would be in the top five. And that would push their timeline back and when they'd be a competitive team again. Guys, I, I'm just, I got a few names here. All right, ready? Rate this. Thunder Draft X player. What's your just gut reaction? Keon Johnson. Nah. Like nah. six. Nah. Kispert. Out of Gonzaga. Oh, at, nah. at what pick? <laughs> well, I, I'm just saying in that, I'm just reading off, here okay. are the guys that are in that six to ten range. So these are the guys consistently mocked through there. Keon Johnson. Everyone's like, okay, the crowd goes mild. Corey Kispert. People would be All excited, right. but for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Yep. I'm just like, you've got uh, the Scotty Barnes kid out of Florida State. Cool. Another 3 and D guy that you hope the three comes. Yay, awesome. The crowd goes mild. Kai Jones, the big at Texas. Like, it, it's just... And you're talking about an organization that can find talent in the G League for, two, for two-way contracts. So it's like, once you get into that kind of realm of the lottery yeah. or, or the, the draft, it's just like, eh, you can do that in season. It, it's like you, you've... Okay, the season has been just rough because it's it's a team that you go out there and you know they're not competitive for a playoff spot. You get that. And and when they are competitive, they're actively trying to figure out ways to tinker around so they're not competitive. You don't want to go through that whole season and then the end result just be eh, we you came out of it with this dude and this dude. Congrats. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's just the worst of all. That that's that NBA middle road of being too good to be awful and being too bad to be good. You, you just don't want to be there. Now in with this guy's uh, quote from Charlotte's head coach James Borrego. This comes from our friend Joe Bettner from the Norman Transcript. Because as much as we're looking forward to the next Thunder player in this draft, um, they could hit on they could hit on their rookie right now, and it could help speed up the process of the rebuild. But this is from James Borrego on Alexei Pokashevsky's twenty five point night. Uh, quote: He was a major problem tonight. Uh, when he's making shots like that, it's very difficult because he's got a high release, gets off pretty quick. He can put it on the floor, move around in different schemes. He's a fantastic young player. He's going to be a handful for years to come. He fits the NBA style. Um, he had our full attention tonight, especially after getting all those uh, uh, four three-pointers up. His percentages aren't great, but he shot it with great confidence, and I think they believe in him. So James Borrego, who I respect, a lot in this league. If he's saying that about Pokashevsky, a lot of the same things that we've been saying all year about him. Uh, I mean, if the Thunder hit on Pokashevsky, he's kind of an X factor here. That'll be trouble. If they hit on him and he is a a legitimate number two scoring option, 
You may not need to win this lottery, but of course you want to cover all your bases. All, all about giving yourself the best shot. That's what we say. The draft is a crapshoot at times, so that's what Sam Presti's done. Loading up with all those picks. If it's a crapshoot, give yourself the most bolts and chamber. That is our producer, Ryan Chapman. We are joined with Miss Christine Butterfield and me, uh, Brady Trantham. Eh, who cares? Oklahoma City loses 113-102 to 102 to the Charlotte Hornets, 20-31 and 31 on the year. Have no fear. Ryan Chapman will take us around the association and talk about more fortuitous teams when we return. Welcome back to the Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Thunder Post Game Show, presented by TotallyTickets.com on 107.7 The Franchise and 107.9 The Franchise Tulsa. Hello. It's 10 o'clock, and guess what? The Thunder lost, so everybody's happy. And apparently... There's some strange things in the sky above Oklahoma City. Did y'all see this on Twitter? I did not. What are we... Yeah, I don't know. What are we talking about? Okay, so our good friend, fellow franchisee, Mr. Dylan Buckingham, who's also working right next door to us. He's about 300 feet away. It's so weird. He's so close. Hi, Dylan. He's so close to us yet so far. But uh, apparently, KFOR is getting flooded with calls because there is, or there are reports of lights in the sky but don't worry it's just elon musk's satellite thing that little chain of lights that pop up in the sky every once in a while uh (laughs) apparently people thought we were being invaded it's the russians hey uh stay vigilant out there shout out okc you can never cry wolf too many times on an aerial invasion stay woke Stay vigilant. <laughs> Turn up. Awesome. Love you guys. <laughs> no, don't worry. They're not they're not aliens. They're over Lake Travis allegedly harassing Baker Mayfield. Remember that? Not my quarterback. Not my quarterback. My quarterback, do that. yeah, he doesn't speak of aliens. My quarterback demands a, a a trade in very subtle and somewhat passive aggressive ways, like Russell Wilson. I, th- I thought his quarterback was Sam Darnold because he's a USC guy. He likes him some Trojans. Out indefinitely. <laughs> Every time I think of Sam Darnold, I think of that gif. And the... It's a quality. Quality tweet by the Panthers organization. <laughs> that was pretty good. You got to embrace it. It's going to be thrown at you. You might as well embrace it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, well. But like we said, Oklahoma City loses 113-102. to 102. No aliens were involved in this one, Christine. But... That Pokusheski, I mean, we talked about him. Uh, we talked about uh, Charlotte's head coach, James Borrego, what he had to say about him. But, I mean, with Pokusheski, it often gets forgotten. I mean, at least I forget it. Maybe it's just me. But we are so hyper-focused on the next important Thunder date, as long as it doesn't concern SGA coming back, because that, that would, of course, be important. If he plays tomorrow, we will all perk our ears up for that. But the next important Thunder date is when the lottery odds get announced. But at the same time, 
that all can be great. That all could be somewhat of a failure if Oklahoma City doesn't get a top five pick. But if Alexei Pokashevsky just turns into a guy who can utilize all the skills that we see him being able to use on the floor, but not turn the ball over as much, but not be such a liability defensively because he's going to get bigger. So that's going to help out his physicality. It really just comes down to the mental aspect of the game for him. And that's going to hopefully come with time and experience. But if he becomes a legitimate second option, maybe perhaps even a first option with his quick trigger, his high release, and the ability that he has to really put it up and hit shots at a high volume like he had four in a row tonight in the second quarter. If that could happen, I mean, Oklahoma City could find themselves accelerating this rebuild to uh, to a state where it's it, it ends much quicker than I think we all anticipated a few uh, months ago. Yeah, I think for the first time, I've always known that Poku is going to have a high ceiling in this league if he keeps working at it and keeps developing at the pace that he is. But I feel like tonight was the first time I really understood the levity of if he hits a ceiling in the next two years, what that can do for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Because he just looked so comfortable tonight for one of the, I think, for one of the truly first times here. And seeing him being able to pick a shot from behind the arc, then go and make shots in the lane, be able to pass well, stretch the floor. Like for him to be able to make that many shots behind the arc, like is amazing in and of itself. But the fact is when you have someone of his size and his length that far out, you're going to make that defense really have to move around. And that's going to be such a strength for the thunder. If they can utilize that moving forward and then defensively as well, He'll be able to, if he can kind of control his limbs a little bit, he'll be able to. It's <laughs> a uh, spider on skates. It's, I can't get the I know. Out. Sometimes I just, I'm like, oh, bro. Like, Bless his heart. Like, please just. Please just do some again. He'll go through pu- he'll, he'll go through puberty, and it's going to be it's a beautiful part of process of life. It's a beautiful thing, and then he'll get bigger. So. Exactly. I'm waiting for the time where he just kind of adds on a little size with his muscle mass and is able to control his body a little bit more than he is now. But I did see a lot of sparks tonight where I can tell that he's been growing in his confidence and looking more comfortable on the ball as well as off the ball and trying to be more physical. And that's really only what you can ask from him right now. But with that comfortability, I could just see this ceiling for him. And I think it's starting to really come together for him when he's playing with the Thunder right now with all the chances he's getting to shoot and all the changes he's getting to be the guy for them. And if he's able to take these lessons and move them forward, he could be a really big problem for anyone in the NBA in two to three years. And that's when the Thunder is supposedly supposed to be a playoff contender. And so if he's hitting his stride in that moment, I think the Thunder are really going to take that advantage and run with it. Well, Ryan, I'll ask you this, because I think we have an understanding that SGA is going to be an all-star caliber player. Will he be an all-star next year? Probably. If he if he continues on this trajectory, he'll probably make the all-star team next year. But if he doesn't, he will still be widely regarded as an all-star caliber player. I think that's without question. But what do you think is more important for Oklahoma City right now? Is it getting a top five pick? Uh, let's say a top three pick. Getting a top three pick or you hit on Pokushevsky, what is more important for the Thunder to get back to where they ultimately want to be, and that's contending for championships? Uh, I think it's hitting on a, a top three pick this year because 
I, I, I didn't see, say I didn't say hitting on one. Well, that, that was kind of the that, point. Well, that's what I mean. Get, getting a top three pick because I, I don't see Pokashevsky and SGA as a one-two winning a title. So both of those guys have major questions defensively, and you can't throw two guys out there in a starting five that can't do it on the defensive end of the floor. I, I just don't think Poku's ever going to get there because of his frame. Like, I don't think he's ever going to be a number two guy. I, he has that unicorn skill set on offense, but like what makes Jokic so great is that his frame just allows him to, even if he's not um, up to the task in any individual night, he can move some bodies down low just by virtue of, of having a big build. He can't, be, he can't be played off the floor in the playoffs. Yeah, Poku's never going to have that. I don't like the dude's not putting thirty five pounds on and gonna. You're not going to see the same offensive skill set even if he does that. So uh, I think it's important to get into that top three and just to continue to collect the talent because Pokushevsky can be a matchup problem. Absolutely, like we said, he has that unicorn skill set growing into it. Like the only thing tonight, like offensively, was you know three turnovers. That's not even a bad number and that's going to get better as he goes on so you love what he's doing offensively but I think you just need another top three picks if it's Shea and if it's Poku like I I just think that you're starting to have to shuffle things around again you're getting into a okay now you're gonna have to play a totally defensive player and you're you're playing four on five on offense again so you're gonna go down the same path you went down with two guys that aren't as talented as Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook put together well I I I would agree with you if the Thunder go into a direction where SGA and if they hit on Pokashevsky, if they are the absolute highest volume players on the team. I don't think that's where Oklahoma City wants to. They want to go down the KD Russell route again. Now, they would love to be as successful as that, and they would love to have players that are as talented as KD and Russell Westbrook. Don't get that twisted. But in terms of KD Russ, you do absolutely everything. And then we'll try and get other guys to do one, like just to be one trick ponies. Like you are the shooter. You are the defensive player. If the Thunder did that around a prime, reached his potential, Lexi Pokashevsky, and a fully realized SGA, yeah, I don't think that that would be a title contender for all the reasons you suggested. But I think Pokashevsky hitting on him and also having a developed Ludor and also having potentially a developed. Darius Baisley, although if Pogoshevsky hits, I don't know what that does to Darius Baisley's future if he doesn't kind of get back on track at some point. Um, but I think Pogoshevsky is just kind of, a, in a weird way, a forgotten piece of this uh, speeding up process to getting out of the rebuild thing. I don't think you. I don't think there's really a world in the Thunder where you hit on Darius Baisley and Poku at the same time. I was about to say, my only problem with that is that's great, but you have to hit on all five guys to realize their full potential. Or you can have Poku be whatever Poku becomes and have a shot at a top three pick in the draft. Like, it just in the NBA, in that draft, just always, always, always give me the draft odds in the top three. Yeah, if you're going to make the argument that hitting on Poku will make them a playoff contending team when you have SGA hitting too. I think you really have to throw in a top three draft pick in there. I don't think you can be done with Poku and SGA as your number two guys. And then like Ryan said, having a player play defensively the entire time to make up for their lack of defense. And then you're then you're losing that guy on the offensive end because he's going to be too exhausted exerting himself on defense on the other end. So the way I see it is you're going to have to get a top three draft pick. You're going to have to get some guy like Suggs or Kate Cunningham that can go back and forth with SGA and have them playing in the backcourt. And then you can have Poku stretching the floor. You can bring in Lou Dort as like a sixth, seventh man in. And um, whoever else is going to be the 
you know, supporting cast to those guys. And then the second part of that question is, what if they hit on Moses Brown? And what does that do to the whole thing? Uh, I, I Moses think you start Brown. hanging banners. It's like, well, yeah, what if Moses Brown, you hit on him, but then he also becomes a like a three-point shooter? And then what if he becomes Michael Jordan? What if, what if he becomes one of the most dominant rim protectors in the league, and then you sign him to a huge contract trading away a massive scorer who's going to go on to be a multi-generational talent, Ryan. and then you decide to try to make him shoot threes while also making SGA and Poku do everything Ryan. offensive? Oh, no. I get it. I get it. We do these you know, after every game for the most part, and a lot of the season has felt like we're stuck in the twilight zone. So what do you do when you don't really know what to say next? You just play the hits. And what is the greatest hit when it concerns the Oklahoma City Thunder? That is trading away James Harden. But we'll talk about that probably tomorrow because they're going to play the Cleveland Cavaliers. And Oklahoma City may very well lose. And if they do, (laughs) we might talk about James Harden. 60 minutes on James Harden. Let's do it. But before we get there, before we ground out tonight, Ryan, why don't you take us around the association? Eventful night across the league, a near full slate, but let's start in Indianapolis. Monday night, all the fun stuff in Indy ended, but there's still NBA basketball. The Pacers beat the Timberwolves 141 to 137. Defense optional. Cat with a big double double, 32 and 12 on the boards. TJ McConnell, 19, 3 and 15 for the Pacers in the win there. The Washington Wizards, speaking of Russell Westbrook, uh, massive win, 131 to 116 in Orlando. Mr. Westbrook, Mr. Triple-Double does it again, 23, 14, and 15. Terrence Ross, 24 points, six boards for the Magic. The Boston Celtics beat the New York Knicks, 101 to 99. Jalen Brown was the champion of choice for the Celtics tonight. 32 points, 10 rebounds, 3 assists. Let's go to Brooklyn. Former Thunder Kevin Durant coming back off the bench. That sounds so funny his to return. say. <laughs> yeah, former Thunder forward who was fine for stuff. Uh, 139 to 111. The Nets winners over the Pelicans. But it was Kyrie Irving who it was his time to shine. 24 points, 2 rebounds, and 6 assists. Eric Bledsoe led the way for the Pelicans with 26 points. Blake Griffin dunked again. Uh, yeah, he has five dunks in his last seven games. There you go, Blake. Fountain of youth. Some uh, Brooklyn hipsters, man. Yeah, something like that. Uh, a Texas battle, all Texas battle. The Houston Rockets, massive win for the Oklahoma City Thunder, 102-93. to They take out the Mavs. Everybody... Do the John Wall, 31 points, three rebounds, seven assists. Doncic, a rebound shy of a double-double, 23 points and nine there. The Memphis Grizzlies take it to the Atlanta Hawks, 131 to 113. Ryan Weeps, Bodong Bogdanovich, 24 points, six rebounds, three assists. But Grayson Allen, of all people, 30 points for the former Duke man. What the heck happened in Atlanta? Man, good job, Ted Cruz. Yeah. Uh. That one. Two games in progress. Obviously, the Thunder game uh, was the other one that has gone final. With about two, uh, about a minute and a half left, the Nuggets taking care of the Spurs, one hundred four to eighty-eight. 
Nikolai Jokic needs one more board. Don't know if he'll get it. 25-9 and 10 for him. A rebound to give him the triple-double. And then at halftime, Phoenix Suns up on the Utah Jazz. Still plenty of time left. 51-40. to Chris Paul leading the proceedings there with 13 points. So delicious, Ryan. Any time. Heat Lakers tomorrow. Very excited. Should be fun. Christine, final thoughts on tonight's game before we go into the absolute fun that is tomorrow night against Cleveland. Very happy that I got to see Devontae Graham tonight. I'm so proud for you. Ryan, final thoughts. Mm. <laughs> you going to be back here tomorrow or is it going to be Matt Burton? Uh, to be determined. But uh, I, I like we need to see more Robinson. 10-day contract. He's got six games. Just throw him out there. He's got six games. I like I mean those guys they they bring something. I like their energy and they don't quit. Yeah. And I'm they sorry. Fit right, I, they fit right in around here. Exactly. And it, while it may sound like I'm saying very general descriptions like my expectations for guys signed this late in the year, two day, two way and 10 day uh, are less than zero. So, you got to start somewhere, but I like what I see. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And and Robinson only got 13 minutes. Like just play the man. Throw him out there. He had two great plays back to back. Where he led that transition play and yeah. he uh, had that really crisp pass. Was it to Horde or was it to maybe Bradley? I was e- either one of those two. Tony Bradley, I believe. Yeah, yeah. And who got the play in transition and then the consecutive offensive play scores a dagger. I was like, okay, this kid is not messing around. Dagger! And there's the dagger for the show. Ryan Chapman, thank you very much. Producing Like a Champ, Christine Butterfield, co hosting Like a Champ, CB on Sports for Christine. Radio's Ryan on Twitter for Ryan. Brady Trantham here signing off. Brady does sports on the Twitter machine. Oklahoma City loses 113-102. to We will be back tomorrow night following the Thunder and the Cavs. Until then.